the ones to be instituted to the Ministry of Lecture, please come forward. Patricio Buteler. The one to be instituted in the Ministry of Acolyte, please come forward. Hermógenes Ramos Mejía. Jesus makes amazing claims in this gospel. Beautiful, powerful claims, I think. So let's take a look at them as if we were doing like a Lexio Divina together, as if we were carefully reading this, this text again, savoring it together, selecting at least some verses. The first one is when he says, I am the true vine. He uses a metaphor that his hearers would understand quickly. The main crops in Palestine in those days were olives, figs, and grapes, along with wheat. And most people worked in the fields or had a piece of land so that they had a close connection with the vine. They knew what he was speaking about. Remember when I was ordained, I was sent to a rural destination in Argentina, and in our house we had a vine in the backyard and we took care of it. When you take care of a plant, you become to know the rhythms of the plant, its fruits. It's like you establish a connection. It's a strange thing, but it happens. Anyways, they, they, they knew what he was talking about. And I think in our case, since 82% of the American population now lives in cities, we might have lost this connection. So let's begin this meditation by picturing a vine in your mind. It has a root, a trunk, canes, shoots, and on the shoots there are leaves and tendrils and flowers and grapes. And with that image in your mind, let's dwell in this text for a moment. Jesus' listeners also understood his metaphor, not only because they had a close connection with vineyards, but because it is used in the Old Testament to picture Israel. Israel is the vineyard of God. God takes care of this vineyard. But now Jesus in this gospel is claiming to be the true vine. Israel had a mission and it was fulfilled in Christ. Israel was a forerunner for Jesus, the Messiah, the heir of all the promises in whose name salvation will be open to every nation, race, people, and tongue when time would come and time had come in Jesus Christ. So everything converges in Christ and from him everything flows. It's a big claim. When he said, I am the true vine, people understood what he was claiming. He was not just another religious leader, but he was the one, the one that they were expecting. And he still is the one that we expect to come back. He's the true vine. Second claim, he says, whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit because without me you can do nothing. I remember when I was young and I was paying attention to this verse for the first time, I think I was 18, I used to think this is not true. 
I can do many things without Jesus. So many people do many things without Jesus. I can buy, I can sell, I can date, I can study, I can work, I can have fun, I can travel without Jesus. I think I can be pretty successful, I used to think at that time, without Jesus as well. What does it mean that we can do nothing without him? I used to think like this because at that time I relied on my own skills and strengths as usually young people do, that's fine, then you learn in life. No? But most importantly because I ignored the beauty and wholesomeness of life in Christ. When you begin to live in him, to remain in him, to stay closely connected with him, you have access to a new situation. A situation that you could not achieve by your own strength, but that you receive by grace. It's a gift. How to describe this new situation is difficult. It's a new life. It's difficult and because the gospel uses many images and it somehow is the core of the gospel. It's a living water. It's a leaven in the dark. It's treasure that you found, find in a field. It's the pearl of great price, is the kingdom of God, is light, is eternal life, is justification, salvation. Is that vertical factor that enters into our life that we could not achieve, and it changes everything. And the main fruit of this supernatural life is love. That's the main fruit. To be able to love in a new way, not with our own little hearts, in our own somehow selfish ways, but with the love of God in us and through us to others. And that is precisely what we cannot do without Christ. We cannot love in such a way, in a consistent way, without that supernatural love. Everything else is worthless. St. Paul says, if I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own but do not have love, I gain nothing. So our love, the main fruit that, that God wants from us, if it's not grafted into Christ, is weak and partial and selective and inconsistent and it wears out with time. But if it's grafted into him, it is renewed and expanded and strengthened and it renders us capable of going beyond our natural tastes and inclinations. It expands our hearts so many more people can fit in. It makes our heart firm and robust, not feeble and spineless. Third claim, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. What a claim, isn't it? The Apostle John makes the same claim in his letter, we just heard it. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence in God, and receive from him whatever we ask. So to receive whatever we ask from God, we have to remain in Jesus. That is the condition that he sets. He says that 
He is the vine, but we are the branches. This means that we are united with him. We are also part of this true vine that he claims to be for himself. So there's this river of life, this divine sap that runs from the trunk, Jesus, to the branches, us. And we call that sap sanctifying grace. The Catechism of the Catholic Church defines grace is a participation in the life of God. It introduces us into the intimacy of Trinitarian life. We are connected with God through this divine sap that flows from the trunk to the branches so that we can bear fruit, fruits of love. And because we are grafted into Christ, we are introduced in him to the Father by the Holy Spirit. We have an access, a new access to God as sons and daughters, a new confidence, a new boldness to pray and to reach out to him. Once you begin to pray united with Christ to the Father, with the heart of a son, with the heart of a daughter, the content of your prayer changes, little by little, but it begins to change. It goes from asking with anxiety to surrendering with trust. It goes from praying about yourself a lot to interceding more for others. It goes from complaining before God to praising him and giving him thanks for so many blessings. It goes from praying to God, which is good, to Christ praying in you, which is better. And then your prayer becomes very effective. You are first pruned and purified so that your heart is molded into the heart of the Son. And then, and only then, what you ask, you receive. Because you learn what to ask and how to ask it. I think we recognize this when we see someone who is close to God, that we recognize as someone united with Christ. We ask, can you pray for me? And we do that because we see that that person has an effectiveness in prayer that flows from his union with the Lord. Please pray for this or that. The fourth is also very bold. Jesus says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The glory the joy of the Father, what he really wants is that we become Jesus' disciples so that we can bear fruit. The Father is the vine grower. So picture a vine grower, goes to see the vine every day and is watching for fruits, moving the, the, the earth, watering the vine, pruning, taking care of the vine so that the vine can bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. And the fruit that he wants, as I, as I said, is the fruit of love that we can love a lot, love many people according to our call, according to our gift, according to our own vocation. Because we're all called to love. That's the one thing that we can do in any circumstance, in any situation, and it's the most important thing that we can do. St. Therese of Lucier, she said that love is the heart of every vocation. And as we know, vocation is a dynamic thing. 
It's a, a renewed thing. Every day we open our eyes in the morning and God is calling us to love that concrete day in a concrete way. And as we respond with all our heart, we bear fruit. And the Father rejoices as we do that. He wants us to thrive. Not only to be happy. He wants us to be good and loving and fruitful and happy. Even if that involves some pruning. You know, sometimes we can feel as if God threatens my freedom because he sets boundaries so that I should not cross. But in reality, freedom has been given us to us so that we can love. And boundaries, if you think about it, are intrinsic to love. Boundaries are not arbitrary, but they flow from the very nature of love. If I love someone, I respect that person. I'm faithful to her. I won't lie. I serve. All this implies boundaries. So boundaries are an expression of love that flows from God and runs through us. And he teaches us boundaries so that we can love better and bear much fruit. This is how you love. When he teaches us something, when he sets rules, it's for us to be able to love well, to bear much fruit. He's a proud father. We all know what is to be, a proud, to be proud of someone. When you look at someone and you feel proud of that person. God is proud of every little step that we make in the direction of love. You know, in Matthew's gospel, the master of the house, an image of God the Father, says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, share your master's joy. Well done. Come in. I think it's very important to think about this, that God rejoices when I do well. We tend to focus more on how God must be upset when I sin or mess up. Okay, we might need that. But his joy when we do well is much more a reality. It's much more important. They're not in the same level. It's not that he rejoices in in the same way he gets upset. upset. His, His joy is much more important. And the joy of God is our strength. This is a consoling and true thought, I think, that Jesus makes today for us. So what are we going to conclude? To remain in Christ. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, remain in me more than 40 times. 40, 40. It's almost like, a, like he's begging us to remain in him. Remain in me so that you can bear fruit. Don't go away. Stay with me. And if you fall, come back. Stay grafted into me so that you can bear fruit. It almost reminds us when Jesus said to his apostles in Gethsemane, stay with me as I am praying, as I'm going through this hour. He asked. And in his gospel, he's asking us, remain, remain in me so that you can receive this life that runs from the Father through me to you. And as you do so, you will bear much fruit. You will ask with the heart of a son, and of a daughter, and you will achieve. And you will rejoice because the Father will rejoice in all the fruits of love that you will bear. And your love will be purified. It would be 
enlarged and sustained and become better. And there will be no meaningless day in your life as you live in this way. Because in every circumstance, in every situation, you will always find ways to bear fruit. Isn't this beautiful? Maybe we can think about this throughout this week. One of these four claims that I commented. I am the true vine. Without me, you can do nothing. Ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. How do we stay connected with him? We, the means are very simple and classic, through prayer, through sacraments, through participating in the community, through service. Those are the four main legs. Our personal prayer, the sacraments that gives us the life of God, the community where, where he lives and dwells, and service as we give ourselves to others. Now we're going to institute Patricio as lector and Hermógenes as an acolyte. And these are steps that the church provides to approach ordination to the priesthood step by step. They are today especially called to remain in him, to dwell in him, to be grafted into Christ. Patricio is summoned to remain close to the word of God, to dwell in the word of God if you want and to read it to others, and to share it with others, and to mission from the Word of God to others, to become like a living voice of the Word of God to others. Hermógenes is summoned to remain close to the Eucharist. This is even a step further, to dwell in the Eucharist, to help at the altar, to take it to the sick, sick to expose it, to have a heart for Jesus in the Eucharist, because his life Someday will become a living Eucharist, hopefully, with the grace of God. So let us pray for them now as we proceed with this institution. And let us ask the grace for all of us to remain in him.